Everybody, oh, come on. That's like you're snowbound or something. Let's do that again like you're on caffeine. Ready? One, two, three. Hey! Oh, yeah, baby. I love you guys, man. You are so much fun to do life and love in Jesus with. And I love you guys online. Thanks uh, for joining us today. If you're with us for the first time, uh, man, we are delighted that God has brought you. I believe that he's arranged for everybody uh, to be here, either in the room or watching online. And this is the moment in my talk for audience participation. And it's okay to get a little rowdy. So are you ready to play with me online in the room? Here we go. Knock, knock. I saw her. I saw her do love you. Knock, knock. Frank. Frank, you for loving me. Knock, knock. Candace. Can this be really love we feel? Knock, knock. Pauline. I'm Pauline in love with you. Okay, you can use any of those one-liners that you want on dates. Uh, <laughs> no, we won't do any more of that stuff. But here's the deal. Love, real love is no joke. Real love, it's no laughing matter. I mean, real love really hurts. If you really love, your heart will really break. If you really love, it'll really wreck you. Real love really hurts. There's no way to do Real love without real heart. It's how we tell the difference between love and infatuation. <laughs> you see, infatuation is not real at all. Infatuation doesn't hurt. In fact, it makes you kind of feel giddy. But it's deceptive. Infatuation is only fake feelings. Here are the signs of infatuation, if you need a little help in this regard. Infatuation thinks and says things like this, I can't get her off my mind. All I can do is think about him. He is so attractive. She's so beautiful. He's my soulmate. She's the love of my life. That kind of infatuation may get you married, but it won't keep you married. Because when infatuation hits reality, a relationship crashes and burns. So maybe I need to ask you, are you doing real love? Maybe some people go through their whole lives and never do real love. Fatuation is easy. It's easy to be giddy. It's not easy to endure hurt. Are you doing real love? I've got some love questions to help you kind of measure how you're doing in the love department. Love question number one, what does real love look like? Can you identify it in yourself? Can you identify it in the important people in your life? I mean, what, does, what are the attributes of real love? Number two, question number two, how does real love work? This is so huge because the feeling of real love doesn't come until after the work. If we can figure out how to do the work, we get to feel the real love. Question number three, what is your real love quotient? I mean, we get all worked out about IQ, our intelligence quotient, but man, you can be a big brainiac and lead a painful, miserable life if you have a low real love quotient. Um, the Apostle Paul was greatly concerned 
that the Christians in Colossae had become infatuated with a false gospel. Here's the true gospel. If you're newer here, we're going through the book of Colossians verse by verse. And this is, I'm just gonna put in a nutshell who we are as a church. Here's the gospel. Here's us. Christ died for us, for our sins. On the cross, he was our substitute. He took our place. He got the punishment, the consequence, the penalty that we deserve for our sins. He took all God's judgment, all God's condemnation, all God's anger due us for our sin. He was buried and on the third day raised from the dead. That's the gospel. That's who we are. That's what we believe. That's what we live as a church. But there was a cult in Colossae propagating a false system, a belief, a false gospel. And, and they were attacking the true gospel and saying to the Christ followers, hey, this Jesus of yours, he is not God, but that's, that, that's the primacy of our faith. Jesus is God. He had no beginning. He'll have no end. He was not created. He is the creator. He is from everlasting to everlasting God, but he willingly came to earth through human birth, to be God in human flesh, lived a sinless life. I mean, it was fierce. It was a battle, but he tenaciously warred his way through every temptation until he had lived a perfect life and then willingly laid that life down on the cross to pay for our sins and God raised him from the dead. But this cult, it said, Jesus, he is not God. Jesus did not rise from the dead. But you guys, you can be God-like if you will receive and believe our special secret knowledge. So Paul writes a letter of Colossians because he's afraid the Colossian people are gonna be infatuated with this false system of belief. Maybe if Paul were to write us a letter, he might be concerned that we would be infatuated with politics or that we would be infatuated with sports or shopping, that we would be infatuated with TikTok or YouTube or just our phones. It's all stuff that doesn't matter and will not last. The weight, the glory, the substance is only and ever in a real relationship with Jesus. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ crucified and risen from the dead in your marriage is the hope of a glorified marriage. Christ in your emotions is the hope of glorified emotions. I could go on and Christ in your finances is the hope of glorified finances. You see, infatuation is a brain drainer. You do crazy stuff, you say crazy. People are like, that guy's out of his mind. But true, real love, real love is life-giving. It doesn't merely compliment. It infuses the other person with life and I'm gonna be able to hit the high points of this text, the closing verses 24 through 29 of chapter one in Colossians, the opening verses of chapter two, one through seven. So, so I, I just gotta ask, grab a study guide on your way out and go deeper into this text over the course of this coming, coming week. And I gotta say, just right up front, what Paul says about 
real love is mostly about our relationship with Jesus. But these principles have tremendous applications for every relationship. So as you listen to me teach, you make the mental and emotional application to the relationships in your life. Um, I'm going to suggest to you that it is likely impossible for you to do real love apart from a real relationship with Jesus. It's how I get real love in my marriage is from a real relationship with Jesus. It's how I do it with my kids. It's how we do it together. But apart from a real relationship with Jesus, if I don't start there, the marriage is going to be nothing. The parenting is going to be shipwrecked. So we start with the real relationship with Jesus. Can we put that on the screen, please? Real love rises out of a real relationship with Jesus. So here's where Paul starts. Uh, you got to get a picture of him. He's under arrest. He's incarcerated. He's got some friends with him, but he is chained 24-7 to two Roman soldiers. But as he's chained to them, he has enough leeway to write this letter. And here's the first thing he writes about real love. Verse 24, I am happy to suffer for you. Notice the for you. Real love is always for the other. It's always for someone else. A real relationship with Jesus, it's for Jesus. I am happy to suffer for you. When was the last time you used happy and suffer in the same sentence? Real love hurts. I mean, it gives joy. I mean, that Greek word that Paul uses for happy, the Greek word is Cairo. And it means to be exceedingly glad, exceeding gladness. In fact, get this, scripture says that for the joy, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. He endured for you. This, this is real love. Now the Greek word Paul uses for suffering is pathema. And it means to endure Hardship to endure hurt. I, I kind of wished I'd used the word sacrifice. That isn't exactly what it means, but, 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 but this is real love. When you come to church or you watch online and you make that financial gift, this is a part of the acid test of whether you love God. You give out of your finances. You sacrifice out of your finances. You endure hardship and hurt in your marriage. You see, typically when people get hurt, they want to lash out. They want to strike back or they want to withdraw from the relationship. They want to run into the bathroom, slam the door, give the other people the cold shoulder, the silent treatment for days. In every relationship, every one gets hurt. Now, just let me qualify. I watched my message this morning as I ate breakfast to try to memorize it so I could share it well with you. And I, I just wish I'd given this qualification. Real love is not, this suffering is not masochism. Enduring hardship and hurt is real love in a relationship. If you are in a relationship with your children, with a spouse, with a friend, 
there's going to be times of real hurt and you endure. It's an honor. I mean, when there's real love, it's an honor to endure the hard times with the person you love. It's like, I would not, I mean, this is hard. It hurts to go through this, but I wouldn't want to go through it with anybody else. I just wish that I had clarified last night, I'm not talking about emotional abuse. I'm not talking about verbal abuse, physical abuse. If there's any kind of that in any of your relationships, run like heck. But in every relationship, we get our feelings hurt. I mean, it's like our heart gets broken by things that are said to us, said about us. It hurts. But real love takes the hurt and absorbs it. Doesn't lash out. Doesn't give the silent treatment. It just absorbs the hurt. How many of you have had teenage children? Bunch of you. Uh, How many do you remember when your kids just unloaded on you? I mean, raged at you. They were so angry. Maybe they weren't getting what they want or they didn't agree with your perspective, and they just raised at you. (laughs) That's good to know. Um, When my kids would do it to me, I, I would remember that on the cross, Jesus absorbed all God's wrath, do me for my sin. I don't remember what they were yelling at me about or what they said. I just remember telling myself, just absorb it. Just take it just like Jesus took God's anger on the cross. There are sometimes you are going to be hurt and real love doesn't strike back. Real love doesn't withdraw. Real love just absorbs the hurt. Here's how Paul reminds us of real love by thinking of Jesus for, for you. Remember, that's how it always starts. It's for the other. Real love is not what I want, not about what I think my opinion. Real love is always about f- the focus on the other. For you now, I am completing whatever remains of Christ's suffering. If I'm hurting in any way, if I'm enduring any kind of hardship here in prison, I'm doing it, joining Jesus in his suffering on the cross. I am doing this on behalf of his body, the church. So as those of us that are husbands, that's why scripture says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her beautiful. And and so real love, real love is enduring the hard times and even enduring hurt from the other. We just keep loving through the hurt. We just keep loving through the hard times. And, and um, when you're hurt, instead of lashing out, instead of withdrawing, serve. Serve the other. Just start serving the other some way, somehow. Serve them in the face of the hurt. Serve them with hurt feelings. Don't withdraw. Serve them. That's the second attribute of real love. It's not just that it endures hardship and hurt, it serves. Real love serves. Um, This is the acid test of whether or not you truly love someone. Love serves. It's the acid test of whether you truly love God. Real love for God is not coming and sitting and singing and listening. Real love is serving him, serving children, serving the homeless, serving the hungry, serving the hurting, serving somebody in Jesus' name, in the church. Here's the word of God. 
Colossians 1.25, God's plan was to make me, notice how personal Paul gets. He says, this is, this is how it goes for everybody. And I'm telling you how I love God, how God loves me. It was God's purpose and plan. In Ephesians 2.10, he writes about me and you this way. You are the workmanship of God. The Greek word there for workmanship is poema, uh, like our poem. It means masterpiece. You are a masterpiece of God. Created, why? In Christ Jesus to do good things that God has prepared for you in advance. God's plan is to make me a servant. Where? In his church. So you know this is the acid test of whether or not you really love God. You serve in his church. Now, if you've only been here four or five weeks, that's okay. We'll give you a pass for six weeks. But after you've been in church for six weeks, man, you ought to be serving somebody. That's how we know that your love for God is real. And right now, the greatest opportunity is in our kids' works ministry. Hundreds of kids here from high school through um, nursery over the course from a Wednesday through a, a Sunday morning. And we need people just like you who are willing to really love God by really loving children. And so when this service is over, man, make a beeline out to the gallery area. Let all the crazy people get out of the parking lot first where there's going to be wrecks and devastation and such. But go out there and do our kids' works display and get started in serving the Lord by serving his Little ones, real love serves. And, and I mean, real love in, endures hardship and hurt and real love serves and real love talks about Jesus. I mean, every day, if, if you really love your spouse, conversation about Jesus every day. If, if you really love your children, bedtime, conversation about Jesus. If you really love your friends, a conversation about Jesus. That's why these study guides are so cool. They give you the format to have a conversation with your spouse every day about Jesus. It's not just going deeper into the text. It's an opportunity to talk about Jesus with people that you care about because that's what real love does. Here's how Paul writes it. Everywhere we go, we talk about Jesus. You see, if... If you are married, this is the foundation of your marriage. I don't know what you think was the foundation. That you're both Packer fans? Have things in common? Think you're both hot? Smoking? The foundation of your marriage, the first half, and I'll just say the biggest half, though that's not good at math, is your relationship with Jesus. Talking about Jesus. Sharing Jesus. Now the other half, and I say the smaller half, obviously I was lousy at math if one half is smaller than the other, but, but is making agreed upon goals. But when those goals come out of your relationship with Jesus, man, you, you're, you're putting your relation, that relationship on a trajectory it would never go otherwise. I mean, it can be important stuff like when and what house to purchase. Or it could be like Deb and I agreeing last night that we desperately needed a large thin crust double pepperoni. You talk every day about Jesus. That's the foundation. And when you don't, you fall off. The foundation crumbles and you, the, the, the relationship topples off the foundation. And, and you just start making all kinds of terrible decisions, bad decisions, goals you agree on together that are not good. 
every day. Talk about, but, but relationships with God. I mean, I have people who will tell me, you know, they're ready to throw in the towel on their marriage. And I know they, um, they'll say, you know, stuff like, all we do is fight. Well, that's an easy one to fix. Stop fighting. If you start fights, don't start fights. In it. There are some people who like to start fights. And then there are others who are willing to join the fight once it's started. Don't fight with your spouse. Fight for your spouse. Don't fight in the marriage. Fight for your marriage. Don't fight the friend. Fight for the friend. Don't fight God. Fight for God. You see, I know it's hard, but real love is willing to do the hard work. There are couples, you know, they're, they tell me they're ready to quit on it. I, I just don't feel love anymore. Well, that's because you're not working on it because the work comes first. If you want more of the love, if you want more of the feeling, you do more of the work. So what do you work on to get real love? What's the real work to get real love? I mean, if a couple says to me, hey, you know, we're just ready to throw in the towel in this marriage. I know they haven't done the hard work. And maybe you're ready to throw in your relation, throw the towel in on your relationship with God. It's like you haven't done the hard work because hard work takes every day for years and years. Every day for years and years. What does the hard work look like? It looks at, like working at patience. Love is patient, so you work at being patient. Love is kind, so you work at being kind. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, so you work at not being jealous. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. So you, you work at not talking about yourself. You look at building other people up. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not... Uh, it's not envious, it does not boast, it is not proud. You work at being humbled. It is not rude, you work at not being a jerk. It is not easily angered. You work at not being angry. It keeps no record of wrong. You work at forgiving and forgetting. It delights not in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Real love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Real love never fails. When that, Ephesians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 13, when that's what you work at, your real love is never, never failing. Here's how Paul wrote it in Colossians. I'm working so hard at this day after day, year after year, doing my best. Now that phrase, working so hard, it was meant to uh, be a picture word of a day laborer who exhausted himself uh, or herself toiling through the day uh, to the point of exhaustion. So this is how we work, how we serve those in our lives with whom we're in relationship. We, we just exhaust ourselves serving them. Now the word, I, I do my best, that was an athletic term. It was meant to picture a, a, a wrestler 
who, who wrestled the win, not for himself, I should say, or for herself, because we got, I think she's a sixth grade girl here who's a wrestler and she's already beat two boys. If I was a boy, I'd get sick that day when she was on the mat. Um, but this wrestler wrestles not for himself, but for his team. I'm not gonna fight with you. I'm gonna fight for you. I mean, I think they should change the wedding vows today. This mushy stuff about uh, for better, for worse, rich or poor, sickness and health, the love and the church. They don't even listen to that stuff anyway. I think the wedding vows should be, hey, this person's gonna hurt you worse than you've ever been hurt. Are you gonna take it? Are you gonna say I do to that? You're gonna have some hard times in this relationship. Are you gonna say I do to that? Are you gonna work? Are you gonna fight for this marriage? You're gonna fight for your children. Not fight with, fight for. See, a relationship is a labor of love. And we fight not with, but for those we love. It's a commitment. I'll fight against anybody who comes against us, but I will not fight. Conflict is a part of every relationship. Every relationship has conflict, but no one has to fight. Nobody. Fighting is a choice to make things worse. Fighting is evidence of immaturity. That's one little child grabbing something from another child. Maturity is, I will work on this relationship. We will do the conflict together somehow, some way. We'll figure it out, but we will not. I won't fight. I won't fight. I'll fight for you. Here's the text. Word of God says, man, I've worked so hard at this day after day, year after year, doing my best. Because, you know, maybe you want to tell me, I don't have energy to do this marriage anymore. I don't have energy to deal with these kids anymore. I do my best with the energy God so generously gives me. Man, I found this one out. Uh, when I was 57 years old, my Debbie and I were 57. We adopted a little 10-year-old girl from Haiti. 57. I should still be, I should start thinking about retirement at 57. I've still failed that course. But I would pray every day when Lovia came into our home, I would pray every day, God, give me the energy to keep up with this little girl. Give me the stamina, the vigor, the vitality to play with her like younger dads play with their children. God so generously gives energy to all those who ask, particularly when it's for real love. Maybe you, you say, David, what if I've already blown it? What if I've already screwed up? What if I've already said the wrong thing, done the wrong thing, messed up so many times? Well, Real love does really hurt, but our Jesus does really heal. He'll heal any relationship. He'll heal your wounded heart. In fact, this is how Paul opens up verses one through seven in chapter two. I don't have time to linger on them. My time is uh, already gone. But let me just show you what Paul prays. This is how Jesus heals any relationship, any wounded heart. I want them to be encouraged, to be healed. He's going to put, when you are willing to bring your wounded marriage, your wounded parenting, your wounded heart to Jesus, first thing he does is put courage in you. Put courage in you to hang in there. 
Put courage in you to keep loving even when you're hurt. Put courage in you to keep trusting even when you're hurt. Put courage in you to, to refuse to give up. Put courage in you to keep the faith. And the second thing he says, he says, I want them, I pray for them that they be knit together by strong ties of love. When you bring your wounded relationship, your wound, wounded heart to Jesus, he is a great physician. He takes his nail-pierced hands and applies them on the wounds and he restores you to his best version. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like a microwave kind of thing. It's more of a crock pot. Healing takes time and it, you gotta care for the wound. But if it doesn't have the nail-pierced hands of Jesus, that's what you pray. In fact, when you leave today, you'll receive, we'll give you a prayer to pray for yourself and to pray for those that you love, to pray, to experience healing in your relation, in your heart. Next, I, I, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand Christ Jesus. He ends where he starts. Real love always rises out of a real relationship with Jesus. And he just, he, he's praying that those guys don't buy, don't sucker in, don't be infatuated with the false gospel. Understand Jesus. What do you understand? That he died for us. He sacrificed himself for us. And if Jesus was willing to die in our place for our sin, he'll go to any length to save our marriage, to rescue us. If God raised Jesus from the dead, he can resurrect any, any dead thing, even your relationships. I believe in prayer. I believe maybe the hardest work I need to do is prayer for my Debbie, my children, my grandchildren, and for you. I'm gonna ask that you stand. I'm gonna pray blessing over you right now. I know that in this room, there are some wounded hearts and wounded relationships. And so if we'll bow humbly before our God, I'm gonna pray over you as a group and then I'll come off stage and be available uh, to pray with you personally for whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're going through, if you'd bow with me, please. Our Father and our God, I... I call your goodness down on this gathered people. We just want to admit, Lord, that we are flawed, failed sinners and we screw up our relationships over and over. We're, we're grateful for having your cross and your resurrection as, as an image of the possibilities and potential of real love in our relationships. Help us to, to really love the important people in our lives just as you have really loved us. Lord, bleed off the anger. And I just pray right now, Lord, that you would be touching those wounds, wounded relationships and wounded hearts. Would you please begin the healing right now, Lord Jesus? Right now, Lord Jesus, in your precious name we pray. Amen. I love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired Podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.